Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is our Sunday, uh, this is our Wednesday night Bible class. Welcome as we study God's Word together. It's great to be able to be together to open up God's Word and study a little bit further, dig a little bit deeper, learn a little bit more, and in the process, grow in our faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So we encourage you to help other people grow in their faith by sharing these studies with them through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means, in any way that you can. Help somebody grow in their faith, come closer to God, and ultimately, prayerfully, hopefully, help them get to heaven. What a great blessing for them, but also for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today. Also, tell them to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It's free. It always will be free. We keep emphasizing we're not after people's wallets. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. And when they sign up for our podcasting, they will receive our Wednesday night Bible class, our Sunday morning Bible class, all of our sermons, and they'll receive a daily radio program called Search the Scriptures, Monday through Friday, and a short Bible study every single day, seven days a week, every week, we call today's Bible class. It's only about 13, 14 minutes long usually, but it's every day and it keeps us in God's word and therefore helps keep us strong in our faith and even growing stronger. So all of that will automatically go to their smart device, their phone, their computer, whichever one they choose. And again, always be free. So tell everybody you can and help them grow in their faith. It's good to be back and it's good to get back into God's word. Now, here on these Wednesday night Bible classes that we're podcasting, for those who cannot be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ, whether that's because of an, an, a physical problem or a, or a medical problem, or we know people listen from all across the country and around the world, whatever the situation might be, for you who cannot be with us at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ, we're glad to be able to broadcast God's Word, teach it on such a widespread basis over the internet and by means of these podcasts. Now, if you're here in Omaha and you can be with us, our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. And Bible classes begin at 930 on Sunday morning, worship at 1030, Sunday evening, another period of worship and Bible study, six o'clock each Sunday evening, midweek Bible classes each Wednesday evening at 6.30. And you're welcome to any and all of these services. We do hope to see you soon. Now we're going to get back into our study in the book of John. We're in chapter 16 now. So we're coming toward the end of this particular gospel account that God used John the Apostle to write down for us. And this, this particular chapter is right in the middle, I say right in the middle, it's kind of getting toward the end of the general immediate context that begins in chapter 13 and goes all the way through chapter 17. And this is perhaps the longest immediate context of Scripture in the entire New Testament. And this is all the setting of Jesus with the apostles on the night of his betrayal, on the night of his betrayal. The next day, he'd be on the cross. So he's teaching them a number of different lessons while he's there with them that evening. And he's trying to get across to them some 
some understanding that he's about to leave them. Now, he does not say specifically that, that I'm going to be crucified tomorrow, but he's he trying to get across to them, I'm going to be leaving you soon, and where I'm going, you can't go right now. But I'll be back, and then you can be with me again. But, but they're, they're not getting it. They're not understanding fully all that he's talking about. And the next, well, that very evening, in fact, he will be betrayed by one of his apostles, Judas. And when he allows himself to be taken into custody under the authority of the Jewish, of the Jewish authorities um, that are out to get him, basically, the apostles scatter. They leave him. Now, chapter 16, he's going on. He's Again, he's teaching them a bunch of different lessons. Through this context, he is trying to prepare them for his imminent departure, and he's encouraging them. He's, he's telling them, even though I'm going to go, you know, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And, you know, I'm going to be back. I'm going to prepare a place for you in my father's house. There are many mansions. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come back and where I, that, so that where I am, you can there, be there with me also. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Well, he goes on in chapter 16. Now, one thing he tries to get across to them, that he assures them, and this should be encouraging to them, but again, I'm not sure that they really understand fully, but he tells them repeatedly, I'm going to be leaving, but I'm going to pray the Father that he'll send another comforter or another counselor, depending on your translation, and that will be the Holy Spirit. And he will guide you into all truth, and he will also bring back to your memory all things that I have told you. And a whole lot of what Jesus had been teaching the apostles over these three years or so uh, probably had kind of gone over their head to some extent but also a lot of it probably kind of passed through their mind and they'd forgotten a bunch of it. And so Jesus is going to pray the Father that he'll send the Holy Spirit and he'll bring back to their remembrance the teachings, all the teachings that he had taught them during their time together upon this earth, these these three years of Jesus' ministry. And the Holy Spirit would also guide them into additional truth that they're going to need to understand as the church is established upon this earth, a New Testament Christianity comes into force, into being, and replaces Old Testament Judaism. So let's pick up with chapter 16, verse 1. Jesus goes on here and he says, These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made, that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. Now, Jesus knows that he's going to be killed the next day. In essence, he's going to be crucified, going to be executed in a brutal, torturous, we would say inhuman form of execution. That's crucifixion on a cross. But he tells the apostles here that People who ultimately would kill you would think they're doing God's service, that they're serving God. Now, that's what the Jewish authorities, you know, kind of hoodwink themselves into thinking in engineering, through fraudulent methods, by the way, the crucifixion of Christ. They thought they were serving God. Well, you better be careful when you start lying, when you start using deception, 
and even to the point where you might use murder and say that all of that is done to serve God. Uh, God is not served by sin and evil and wickedness. God is the opposite of sin and evil and wickedness. Verse 3, Jesus goes on and says, And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. They don't believe in, in, in God. Now, remember that if we reject Christ, then we reject God. A whole lot of people would say, oh, no, 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 we believe in God. We just don't believe in Jesus as the Son of God and the Savior of mankind. No, no it's a package deal. If you don't believe Jesus, if you don't believe in Jesus, if you don't accept him, then you're not following God. They go together. You can't separate the two and somehow say we're walking with God in faithfulness and obedience. No, you have to accept Jesus. Now, we remember what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14 and verse 6. So, those, those, those things they will do to you, Jesus warns the apostles, because they have not known the Father nor me. Again, you can't say I'm walking with the Father, with God the Father, if you're not also walking with Jesus, if you don't have faith in Jesus. They go together. They are inseparable. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember them. I remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But now he was about to leave them. When we look historically, we believe that all of the apostles, with the exception of Judas, who hanged himself after having betrayed Jesus, and with the exception of John, who we believe died a natural death in his old age, all of the other apostles, historically, we believe, died as Christian martyrs. And so what Jesus is telling them here carries a great deal of weight. We pick up with verse 5 as we move on. He goes on and he says, but now I go away to him who sent me. He's going to go back to heaven. He's going to be next to the Father. And none of you asks me, where are you, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Now, who's the helper again? The Holy Spirit. He's going to be there with the apostles and help them to come to a fuller understanding of what Jesus has been trying to teach them and prepare them for for the last three years or so. So if I don't depart, then the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now, what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes after Jesus is crucified, put in the tomb, arises from that grave, and then ultimately ascends back to heaven? and waits there until the final day of judgment. What's the whole, one, one, one basic thing, fundamental thing that the Holy Spirit is going to equip the apostles to do is teach the gospel in its fullness. But also, he's going to guide those writers whom God would choose to write down 
all of the books of the New Testament, they being God's very word, the Holy Spirit is going to guide those writers to write God's very word accurately and effectively as it would be God's very word. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And what that literally means from the Greek is all scripture is God-breathed or God's very word. Well, so Jesus says the, uh, when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And he would do that, convicting the world of sin and guiding the world to repentance and forgiveness through Jesus Christ and the gospel message of forgiveness and salvation through the scriptures that the Holy Spirit would guide the writers to write. Okay. Jesus goes on and says, of sin, because they do not believe in me. Once again, you reject Christ, you don't believe in Christ, you don't accept him as the Savior, the Messiah come to earth, your disbelief is sin. It's sin. Now, some people might say, well, wait, wait a minute, I'm not murdering anybody, I'm not robbing a bank, I'm not beating up somebody. How can you say it's sin? You don't believe in Jesus, you're still lost in your sins. Because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6 and verse 23. And there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Only through the name of Christ. Acts 4 and verse 12. Okay, that's a lesson people need to learn. They cannot be you know, somehow noncommittal in their relationship to God and to Christ. It has to be a commitment of faithful obedience and living by God's teachings. <clears throat> okay, we come back to chapter 16. So Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. It's interesting, the ruler of this world, he's referring to the devil himself because the devil has sway over this world. I still have many things, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he the spirit of truth, that is the Holy Spirit, has come, he will guide you into all truth. And he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Now, from whom will the Holy Spirit hear what, is to, what he is to teach the apostles when he comes? He would hear it from God, God's word, God's instructions. And so Jesus says, when the spirit of truth has come, he'll guide you into all truth. Jesus had not yet told the apostles the fullness of Christianity. Jesus lived as a human being as, as, while still being fully divine. He lived as a human being in this world as a Jew. He was born into Judaism. He lived under Judaism. The apostles were all Jews. Now, he had taught them. He had said to them, in fact, I'm going to build my church. He had taught them about being the Savior. 
but they had, again, not fully understood all that he had taught them. They were kind of, I think we could understand, kind of groping to understand the fullness of all that Jesus was trying to tell them and prepare them for. But here he says, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. You're, go- you're going to learn then. And things that I was not ready to teach you because the church had not yet been established, the Holy Spirit's going to teach you. The Holy Spirit's going to guide you into the, you know, in, into the fullness of your knowledge of Christianity. He goes on in verse 14 and he says, he will glorify me for he will take of my, of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. When the Holy Spirit was going to come, he was going to teach, he was not going to teach the, the apostles some new, you know, realm of truth. He was going to continue to teach that truth that Jesus had come to teach, and especially to teach to the apostles, getting them ready to then become leaders of Christianity as they would go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, teaching them about Jesus Christ, teaching everybody about Jesus Christ as the Savior, the Son of God, and that if they will be baptized into him, the sins that they had been guilty of would be forgiven, and they would come into salvation in Christ. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. So we come back to John chapter 16, and Jesus goes on, and he says in verse 16, a little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me, because I go to the Father. Now, we can understand this in a couple of different applications or by way of a couple of different applications. Jesus would die on that cross, and he would be put in that tomb. His physical body would have died, and he would be entombed in that tomb, that burial tomb. And so while he was in the tomb, the apostles would not see him. But on the third day, he would arise from the dead, physical dead, and they would begin to see him again. Now, in the ultimate application of of a little while and you will not see me, and again, a little while and you will see me because I go to the Father, after Jesus arose from that tomb, he walked upon the earth for 40 days, appearing before the apostles as risen and also before hundreds and hundreds of others demonstrating that he truly is the Savior, the Son of God, that he was risen by the power of God. But then after those 40 days, he would ascend back to heaven. Acts chapter 1 describes that, that ascension through the clouds, but also angels standing there with the apostles saying, but he's coming back. And so on that final day of judgment, when God decides this is the day. You go back, you call all mankind to judgment, and God will bring this world to an end as we know it on that, at, that, at that time. The saved will meet Jesus in the air, those who are still living, and those who have already died will also meet him in the air. And heaven will be our home for the saved, the faithful, for all of eternity. Now, <clears throat> so, so Jesus says, the ultimate application then would be, I'm going to ascend back to the Father. 
but then I'm coming back on that final day of judgment. And on that day, you will see me again. Now, that would be the ultimate application of what he says here in, in on John 16 and verse 16 when he says, a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me because I go to the Father. Now, someone might protest and say, well, wait a minute, all those apostles would be dead by the time Jesus came back and that comes back on that final day of judgment. It's already been almost 2,000 years. Yes, but you're thinking, you're thinking in human terms, in finite terms of physical existence on this earth. See, the ultimate application will be eternity. And 2,000 years or 10,000 years in, 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 in terms or in comparison to eternity, is nothing. And so a little while, and then a little while, you'll see me again. <laughs> 2,000 years, 5,000 years, 10,000 years, whatever it might be, that's, that's nothing time-wise in compared to time without end, which is eternity. So a couple of different possible applications there. Now, verse 17 of John 16 Then some of his disciples said among themselves, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will will not see me. And again a little while, and you will see me. And because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, What is this that he says? A little while. We do not know what he is saying. Now, Jesus knew that they desired to ask him. And he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said? a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. Okay? There would be many people when Jesus ultimately would die on that cross who would rejoice at his death. The apostles, however, would be sorrowful at his physical death. Jesus goes on by way of illustration in verse 21. He says, a woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. (laughs) Childbearing is painful. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that the human being has been born into the world. And so once the birthing process is over, the woman has gone through that pain, agonizing pain in many cases, but now she's holding her child, smiling and talking baby talk, and so thankful that her child has been born. Verse 22, therefore, for now, therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. Well, see, once we're in heaven, No one's going to take that away from us. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. And so Jesus is talking about the basic blessing of prayer to the Father in the name of Jesus. Now, those... Even those supposed religious leaders who practice prayer but not in the name of Jesus, 
They need to go back to the Bible and read what Jesus instructs along that line. So what does he say? Again, until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Verse 25, these things I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say that you I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world again. I leave uh, into the world again. I leave the world and I go to the Father. But again, he's coming back. Verse 29, his disciples said to him, See now, you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. They're saying, hey, we understand better now. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this, we believe that you came forth from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Now again, Jesus is speaking here prophetically of what was going to happen just within a few hours. He would be taken into custody by the Jewish authorities. They would run him through, now that would be later that evening, they would run him through a series of mock hearings or trials, if you want to call them that, but they were fraudulent. And then they would, they would pressure the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, to authorize his crucifixion on the cross. And that would be the very next morning he would be nailed to that cross. And so he says, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come. Now he's, he's saying, tonight it's going to start to happen each to his own and will and and, and uh, or that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone they're going to leave once he's taken into custody they scatter every one of them now john comes back peter comes back to some to some you know degree at least and yet i am not alone because the father is with me these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Can we possibly experience inner peace even in the face of hardships, difficulties, pain, suffering, persecutions? Yes, we can if we're walking faithfully with God and if we know where we're ultimately going, and that's to heaven, if we know that God is watching over us and that he'll see us through whatever the situation is that we may be experiencing, however negative it might be from a human perspective. So he says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Now, as I say, 
historically, we believe all of the Chris, all of the apostles, with the exception of Judas, who hanged himself, and John, whom we believe died in old age, a natural death, all of the others, including the apostle Paul, were martyred. They were martyred for their faith. In the world you will have tribulation, Jesus says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And he would be their standard for being able to look forward and know that just as he overcame, so by God's grace and through God's blessing and power and strength, they would overcome as well. We'll pick up chapter 17 next time. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us your word to guide us, to teach us, and to reassure us that we are, as we walk with you through Jesus, in faithful, consistent obedience, that we are moving closer and closer to our home with you in heaven for all of eternity. Help us to help others see this way, we pray. And we look forward to that day when we can cross through those pearly gates and walk on those golden streets and be right there in your midst with all of the redeemed and the saved who have gone on before us. Praise, glory, honor, and thanks be to you, Father. Please forgive us and hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.